We got um, uh, Brother uh, Jared Miskovich. Okay, I hope I did not botch that last name, but we're, we're, I'll let him clean it up here in just a minute. But he's going to come up, and he is going to uh, share his ministry, um, and uh, he is a, 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 mission, a missionary to uh, Mexico. Did I, did I get that right? Mexico. All right, so uh, he's going to uh, share his ministry tonight. I, I'm thankful to be here with you this evening. Uh, Temple Baptist Church, I didn't grow up here, but there's people here that I grew up with and I'm so thankful for uh, Pastor Carter and uh, many people that are here at this church. Uh, Brother Doyle Berry, uh, he was with me when I was about 18 years old and I went to Mexico for the first time. I went with him and then another dear brother, Chris O'Neill, if you all are familiar, I think he used to be out of this church. And we went to Mexico years ago and that's where God called me to be a missionary. So I'm so thankful for that. And uh, also I see Brother Travis Sharp over here and uh, I, I don't really have much with him, but his wife... Uh, was my babysitter. No, I'm joking. I love Brother Travis. <laughs> Y'all thinking, are you serious? I'm joking, guys. Uh, uh, but uh, I thank the Lord for Brother Travis, his wife, Miss April. She was my babysitter when I was younger. She was just a couple years older than me, I think. Not, t- not too much older. But uh, I thank the Lord for uh, people here at Temple Baptist Church. Um, pray for us. There's a, a little side note I'd just like to mention, then we'll get in the Word. Um, the land and building... Uh, prayer that we've been having and when I made this video we didn't have everything fulfilled but as of a month ago uh, God gave us a piece of property uh, fully paid for God provided all the needs prayed for it uh, uh, paid for it uh, not financed by a bank but financed through God the father and, and his son so I thank the Lord for that and uh, you pray for us our goal is to do what you guys are doing here, shining a light in a community. We know that the church is not a building. The church is the people. Uh, but I'm so thankful when a church has a building, has a place where they can utilize it for God's glory. So uh, pray for us. It's about a half acre God gave us. And now we are looking to renovate it. It's got a 6,000 square foot L-shaped building on there. And we're going to convert it to a 200-seat auditorium with about five classrooms, a kitchen, a little parsonage for missionaries that come through. And, and there's a lot more in the future that we have a vision for, the Bible college and all. So you pray for us. Our goal is for this place to be a hub where we can plant uh, more churches and, and help these uh, nationals to go out and also have a place that they have uh, like an oasis where they come back and, and get some help whenever they need it. So pray for us. Pray for uh, Medio Yucatan, Mexico and the surrounding areas. Uh, there's a lot of work still to do. I know Jesus is coming back soon, brothers and sisters. And when we see the news, uh, we get encouraged by the fact, and I hope you don't get discouraged, but you get encouraged by the fact that Jesus is coming soon. But also we should have a little bit of a worry in our hearts thinking we still got a lot more to do before he comes back. And I hope that this month of missions or this time period where you have missionaries come in and share about uh, what's going on in their ministry, that you will uh, challenge your own hearts and look to God and say, God, what can I do to help missions? Maybe you don't just want my money, but you want me to do something personally uh, that will further your kingdom and further the gospel. So you, you pray and seek the Lord's will uh, throughout these months. Uh, if you would, please turn your Bibles to uh, John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. And I just want to begin reading in verse number 1. I got a timer for me, so I'm not going to go over that timer. <laughs> I've also got an internal timer in my stomach. I'm, I'm, I'm a little hungry, so I can't preach too long if I'm hungry. But John chapter 6 and verse 1 is interesting, the topic of this message. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee 
which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? I want to stop there and get us to think for a moment. Jesus is asking a question. Jesus is uh, the creator of the universe. He's God in the flesh. And I believe this Jesus that we see in the Bible is not asking the question because he doesn't know the answer to it. He's asking it. Uh, because he's one of the greatest teachers that ever lived. My mom, she's an English teacher. And maybe some of you in here uh, tonight, you were teachers in school or, or teachers in college or, or wherever you might be a teacher. And many times a teacher has to ask questions to see if the student is learning what the teacher is teaching. And here we have these disciples that have been following Jesus Christ. And they've been learning uh, what Jesus was sharing with them about the kingdom and what Jesus was trying to share with them about his future death on the cross and what he'd been trying to share with them for them to realize exactly what all Jesus has in store for those disciples. And he says to them, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? In verse 6 he says, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Uh, look in verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number, about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. I want us to go back to that verse 6. And this he said to prove him... For he himself knew what he would do. Many times we don't know what's going on in our lives, do we? Many times we don't understand everything that's passing uh, along in, in our journey. Uh, but I want to encourage you tonight and I want to strengthen you. I don't know if this was a, a moment where I need to be teaching, but I'm hoping we can do a little teach, preach. Uh, if you'll bear with me, if you'll give me liberty to do that. Uh, but I want to encourage your hearts that God knows what he's doing no matter what you're going through tonight. I, I don't know uh, exactly what your dilemma, what your struggle. There's some people with health issues. There's some people with financial issues. There's some people that have spiritual issues. Some people are dealing with relationship issues. I'm going to encourage you that, uh, that tonight is not a surprise to God what's going on in your life. And God knows what he's doing in spite of the circumstances. Amen. I want to share quickly. I believe each and every one of us as Christians... We can uh, be more confident in what God's doing in our lives if we understand that He knows what He's doing no matter what. There's three areas of our life that I want to share quickly with you that no matter what's happening in your life, God knows what He's doing. And I hope it's something that you can take with you and you can utilize it in your life and you can utilize it in this week and, and maybe you can utilize it in this month and this year and you can get a fire uh, in your heart and maybe uh, before there, uh, there was just a little bit of smoke uh, in your heart and, and you need some kindling wood and you need to get that fire burning again. I hope this will be a help to you tonight and encourage your heart. The first truth I like us to know and mention is that no matter uh, the problem that is distracting, God knows 
what he's doing. God knows what he's doing no matter the problem that is distracted. I want us to look back. It says, uh, and Jesus went up into a mountain, verse 3. And there he sat with his disciples in the Passover. A feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? We see here in verse number 5, we see that there's a problem, and Jesus is identifying the problem. Uh, He's identifying what's going on in this circumstance, and you know what? This problem can be distracting. This problem can be distracting. We see uh, in verse number 7, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which have five barley loaves but, and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? I get to thinking about a problem that's distracting and uh, the way we could relate this. Here we see Jesus. He's with his disciples. He's been teaching them all about who he is. And he's been trying to uh, reach out to them and let them understand exactly what he has called them to do, to be disciples, to make more disciples so that people will uh, know that Jesus is our Savior and that they'll call on him for salvation and that God will change their lives. And here there's these over 5,000 people. I've heard preachers say that uh, they just counted the men or over 5,000 men. And we know for every man in the Middle East, but in that time there was maybe a wife or maybe two wives or uh, 14 kids. And, and there's a big crowd of people. And here Jesus was. And here these disciples were. They said, we just, we just got a little bit of money. And there's a lad here with, with a lunch. But it, it, it's not anywhere near the size we need for these over 5,000 people. And I know this story. You've heard this before. Uh, in Sunday school, they teach it and, and they tell everyone about this story. But I want us to, to, to look at that no matter the problem that's distracting, God knows what he's doing. Amen. Think about it. Uh, just kind of put in perspective, you ladies, you're, you're at home and you're getting dinner ready. And all of a sudden your husband rings in and says, hey, honey, I'm coming home and I've got about 14 workers that are coming with me and they're bringing their wives and they're bringing their kids with us and, and, and you need to get something prepared now. And she's like, well, honey, it's Monday. I haven't even gone to Walmart yet or, or gone down to the grocery store to get what we need. I, I can't just pull five barley loaves and two small fishes. I can't multiply it to feed all that crowd. And you know, all of a sudden you've got a real problem on your hands and it's going to be distracting to your wife. Uh, Maybe not to the husband, but to the wife. It's going to be distracting, and she's going to want to wring your neck for inviting that that person over without checking and making sure you have everything you need. You know, a lot of times when we don't have what we need, all of a sudden a problem arises, and we're distracted by it. You look in this world today, the distraction's going on. You know, I know Jesus is coming back soon. I've heard a preacher said, we are not in the last innings. We're in overtime. The, the, the game's over, but we are now in overtime uh, because God is so gracious. He said, yeah, time's gone on, but, but we're in overtime. We're going to go a step further, and we're going we're to run that clock back a little more because there's still more people that need to be saved. There's still more people that need to know who Jesus is. Uh, there's people in Africa and Asia and Mexico and, and, and South America and all over the world, even here uh, in Coleman, Alabama, that still need to know who Jesus Christ is. And so God's given us a little extra time, and he's given a little extra opportunity uh, to see lost saved and people to know Jesus. But you know what that news? will get you distracted, won't it? That fear-mongering they do. 
the, uh, uh, the, the election's coming up and, and everyone's, oh, what's going to happen? Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and there's all these uh, rumors and conspiracies of what's going on. And, and you know what? It becomes a distraction and it becomes a problem that's so big and it distracts us that we don't even realize who we have in our presence on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. God said, I'm not the author of fear, but of love and of joy and of a sound mind. And you know who the author of fear is? Satan, the devil. The devil's the author of fear. And he wants to bring fear on each and every one of us. And you know what he does with that fear? He distracts us. He makes a problem or allows a problem to come up in our life and it distracts us to where we cannot fulfill what God has us to do. I've been there before. I've been looking at the news and and get distracted and say, you know what? God's coming back soon. There ain't no reason to there ain't no reason to keep planting churches in Mexico. Brother Travis, there ain't no reason to keep your village going. There ain't no reason to build those houses because God's coming back soon. I, I remember uh, visiting a, or trying to get a meeting with the church, Brother Travis, and uh, I called him up and I said, hey, brother, uh, I'd love to come and present our ministry. And he said, brother, I'm sorry. Uh, we know the Lord's coming back soon, so we're just going to hunker down and we're just going to hold what we got. And, and, and y'all, that was 12 years ago. Twelve years ago. I hope he's still not just hunkering down. I hope he's, I hope he's been doing something. I hope he at least has gone to the bathroom or done something uh, while, while he's uh, uh, hunkering down and waiting for the Lord to, to come back. You know, the devil tried to distract us with the problems in our life. And you know what? I don't, I don't know what your problem is. We were at a football game yesterday with my sister visiting. Her little, little boy was playing ball. And this little kid limped up in front of us and said, Oh, I'm sorry. Um... I'm telling my son to get out of the way, and the son said, uh, um, it's okay, I, I just, I only have cancer. And he had a smile on his face. And I don't know about you, or if there's cancer in this building tonight, or, or maybe a loved one has cancer, or, or, or maybe you're dealing with a different uh, dilemma. A lot of times when we used to talk about cancer, we, we don't have any problems now. We don't have any problems. We, we see other people with, with sickness like this, and we think, you know what, we've been blessed. I, I got a little financial issue, but thank the Lord I got my health, and thank the Lord uh, that God's been good to me, and my kids are alive, and we're in church, and, and we can praise the Lord and thank God for what we've got. But you know what, a lot of times in our flesh, we let the problems arise that will distract us. Let me ask you tonight, are you distracted? Is the devil creeped up inside of you? Um, I, we went to the mission field in 2012, July 2012. We were there for a month, and after the first month, we just hit, we hit a, 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 a brick wall about 100 miles an hour. We're there excited. We're here. We're here to win Mexico, and after a month we were there, God said, this is not where you're going to be in the city. We're a place called Chiapas. And God said, no, I'm closing the door right here, but I got somewhere for you to go. But we were so distracted with the problem, we're thinking, man, we came to the field. Lord, uh, what do you want us to do? Why are we here in this position right now? And my wife, she was pregnant with our first son and my father-in-law. And I just got to stop and say, you know the Lord's in what you're doing if you're working with your father-in-law. You know, Uh, can I get amen? (laughs) If you're working with your father-in-law and the work of the ministry and God's blessing, you know the Lord's in it. Uh, I love my father-in-law. I thank the Lord for him. He's, he's one of my best friends, but uh, some people, they won't even sit in the same room with their in-laws, let alone at the same table to break bread with them. But I thank the Lord for what the Lord's doing with us in, in Mexico. But we were distracted by the problem. We were thinking, what are we going to do? Are we going to go back to the States? Are we going to find a new location? We didn't know Spanish. And, and God was telling us, I need you to pack up a truck and go further south. 
than where you're at now. And we're thinking, no comprendo. <laughs> we, we don't understand. But it's a problem that was distracting. And you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm thankful that God didn't allow us to be wrapped up in our problem that was distracting. But we realized that God knew what he was doing. Hey. I'm going to encourage you tonight uh, that, and let you know that I don't know what you're facing. But God knows what he's doing in your circumstance. There's nothing that you're facing right now that is a surprise to God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit. They, they know exactly what you're going through. Uh, from the foundations of the world up till now and even beyond, God's seen it all played out already. And he knows exactly uh, what we're going to do and he knows exactly what we need and he's there making an intercession for you and for me don't let the devil distract you don't let those problems that the devil try to use as a giant in your life and say no god's not working in your life i want you to know god knows what he's doing god knows what he's doing no matter the problem that's distracting are you distracted this evening y'all hear that cuckoo Cucaracha, I'm speaking Spanglish. Did y'all hear that cockroach go across the floor? (laughs) I heard it. It got real quiet. Many of us were distracted by problems in our life. And you know what? It's okay. God knows what he's doing no matter if we're distracted. God knows what he's doing and he's going to work it out. But we can come to him and we can ask him to help us through this problem. Number two, not only uh, does God know what he's doing no matter the problem that's distracting, but number two, no matter the person who is doubting. Look down to verse 7 and 9. It says, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Philip's saying, we ain't got no money. Can I get a witness this evening? We ain't got no money. I ain't got, I ain't got nothing. I didn't want to be a preacher. Uh, I want, when God called me to preach, I didn't want to be a preacher because all preachers I knew were poor. Can I get an amen, Brother Travis? <laughs> all the preachers, I don't know, he, he probably knows all the rich ones, but uh, all the preachers I knew were poor. And I said, I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be some poor preacher. And I ran from God, but uh, here Philip's saying, uh, we don't have enough money. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, hey, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? He's got something over here, but he ain't got enough. He ain't got enough for this problem. He ain't got enough. He ain't the solution to this situation right now. And you know what? There will be people that will doubt in your life. There's three people that will doubt in your life. Number one, the first person that will doubt, and this is one of the saddest things and one of the hardest things to take. We call uh, call a horse pill. You all know what a horse pill is. It's a pill. It's not meant for use for a horse, but sometimes we got to take that medicine and try to swallow that down our throat. Swallow that pill down because we know we need it too right now. But the first person that will doubt is family. The first person that will doubt is family. Look down, it says Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew's a a, a family member of Simon Peter. And he says, look, this lad's got something, uh, but but he don't have enough. I remember my father-in-law, his name's Brother Danny Ward, you saw in the the video. He's from Brunswick, uh, Georgia. And he was a mail carrier in Brunswick, Georgia. And he went to the same place in Mexico that I went to. I was an 18-year-old boy, or 17, 18-year-old boy. I went to Mexico. God called me to, to, to be a missionary. And I came back and said, uh-uh, I do not want to be a preacher. don't want to be a missionary to Mexico. A few years later, my father-in-law went to the same place in Mexico. Didn't even know the man. Went to the same place in Mexico. God called him to be a missionary. And he said, okay, I'll go. He's in his 40s. People laughed at him. How can you do that? Just uproot your family. And he went to Bible college over at Victory Baptist, but Larry Brown was pastor at the time. And he went there, and he was on fire for God and, and, and serving. And his Sunday school teacher, who was almost like family, said, 
just because there's a need doesn't mean you need to go. He, he, when he told his Sunday school director, said, hey, I, I, I feel like uh, I'm going to go. And he was looking for uh, an encouragement. But uh, his Sunday school teacher said, brother, son. He's like family to him. Just because there's a need doesn't mean you need to go. I, I, I don't know if you got all that correct in your decision making to go to Mexico as a missionary. You better, you better watch out because you might be making the worst decision of your life. And he doubted him. How many of you have been in a situation God's told you what to do and maybe family has doubted you? Not only will family doubt you, but number two, friends will doubt you. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may take a little. Here, Philip, he's a friend of Jesus. He's one of the disciples and he's got all these friends here and he's saying, hey, look, uh, we don't have enough. You don't have enough. You know, we got family uh, that know about us. But a lot of times we have friends that usually know more about us than even our family does, right? We got friends that we share things with that we would not share with our parents. We got, we got thing, friends that we would share things with that we would not uh, share with our kids or other people that we know as family. And sometimes our friends, we hold someone a lot closer to us than even family. But man, what kind of attack, what kind of hurt in your heart will it be when maybe you share something that God's wanting you to do? Or maybe you're sharing something that God's called you to do, and then that friend says, you, you don't have the talent to do that. What are you thinking going to Mexico? What do you think you're doing uh, uh, working in the Sunday school class? What do you think you're doing going over to those kids and helping with those kids in the, in the kids' department? You're not equipped to do that. You don't have the patience to do that. You don't have the, uh, the knowledge to teach those young people. You don't have what it takes to do what God's calling you to do. And people start doubting what God's called us to do. People start doubting what we know the Lord wants us to do. Let me ask you. Have you had doubt this week? Have you had a family member doubt what maybe the Lord's already revealed to you that He's got for you to do? Have your friends doubted you? You might be your best friend, one that you take a bullet for. Maybe, maybe you've been on the other side of that where you've doubted one of your friends when they shared their heart with you about what God wanted them to do and you started doubting and a lot of times uh, uh, we don't want our friends to go away. We don't want our friends to go, go to Bible college or go do something that God might have laid on their heart. And, and so sometimes we can be selfish and say, wait, 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 don't, you don't need to, I, I need you here with me. But maybe, but maybe God's got something planned for you. And, and, and we need to be careful about being a doubting friend or, or letting a doubting friend distract us and keep us from what God has for us to do. I want to encourage you, God knows what he's doing no matter the person that's doubting. It doesn't matter if it's your family. It doesn't matter if you're friends. And lastly, it doesn't matter if it's your flesh. A lot of times our flesh will get the best of us. When I, when I went to Me uh, Mexico the first time at 17 years old, Brother Doyle Barry was with me. And God was dealing with my heart the whole week. And I thought it was sin I needed to confess. And I was praying, Lord, help me. Help me get past this. And by the end of the week, I realized that God had a work for me to do in Mexico. And I started thinking, there's no way I can do that. Number one, I'm shy. And I was. I was shy growing up. I didn't want to stand up in front of anybody. I didn't want to do the oral book report and, 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 and give a dissertation of, uh, of Charlotte's Web and, and, and why the, the, the spider talked to the pig and why the pig was scared. I didn't, I didn't want to do all that. 
And here God was calling me to be a preacher, not just a preacher, but a, a, a mission in Mexico. And, and I had to learn Spanish. I'm telling you, God's got a sense of humor. Uh, Brother Jason Thomas, who's working with us, y'all saw on, on the video, his wife, Miss Ellen, was my Spanish teacher in high school. Who would have ever thought, if you would ask me as a young teenage boy, I said, hey, you see that teacher right there? You're going to go to the mission field one day, and she's going to work with you on the mission field. I said, ain't no way that's going to happen. And here it's happened. I didn't, I didn't pay attention in school, so she had to teach me over Spanish. So it took me three years in, on the mission field to learn Spanish, and I still struggle to this day. Uh, but God's got a sense of humor about how, he, how when you think your, your flesh is doubting and you don't want to do what God wants you to do, and God can still pull you in the right direction. I want you to know God knows what he's doing no matter who's doubting, no matter if it's your flesh. And I, I went to Victor Baptist College for the first year uh, of, uh, of college. And right in the middle of that, I told my parents, I, I'm, not, I'm not called. I think I messed up. I'm not, I'm not going to be a preacher. I, I'm going to do music. I'm going to go to Trinity. I went down to Trinity in Jacksonville, Florida to do a music major. I don't have a talent in my body, people. I don't know nothing about music. I don't know what I was thinking, doing, being a music major. And I had to learn music theory and, and uh, perfect pitch and all this stuff. And I, I flunked it out, number one. I didn't even get a good grade there. But as soon as I got to the dorm room, and I'm thinking about this, I'm running from the call to be a missionary to Mexico. My roommate was a Hispanic guy. My roommate was a Hispanic guy, and, and, and there, if you, anyone ever been to Trinity down there, that's, that's a long ways from Alabama. I don't think y'all, anyone from here goes down there, but uh, th- th- we had a room, two guys, and a room, two guys, we shared a bathroom, and those guys in the other room, they were called your sweet mates. It wasn't sweet at all, but they were called your sweet mates, and we share a bathroom, and, and there's nothing sweet going on in that bathroom, uh, but I, th- one of my sweet mates, he was a missionary's kid. Can y'all guess where? Mexico. Mexico. God was working in my life, and he said, Jared, I don't care what your flesh is saying. I don't care what you're thinking or what you're doubting in your flesh of of what I'm going to do. I didn't make no mistake when I called you to be a preacher. I didn't make no mistake when I called you to be a missionary to Mexico. And and years later, uh, God even put a a woman that was willing to go with me to Mexico and allowed me to work with a father-in-law that was willing to go together. And and God's made a team of us, and we've been serving and seeing people saved. And right now, I can think of people's faces right now that if I wouldn't have go, maybe they would have wound up in hell for all eternity. And so I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God knows what he's doing no matter the circumstance i'm so glad that god knows what he's doing no no matter the problem that's distracting or no matter the person that's doubting god knows what he's doing how many of you guys done told you what he wants you to do would you say no no not me not me lord i think you got the wrong number Don't you hate that? Sometimes you pick the phone up and someone's asking for you. know it's not you. And you're like, I'm sorry, you got the wrong number. A lot of times we fake it with God. God's, Jared, Muscovic. No, no, I think you got the wrong number. (laughs) Hang it up. Calls back. (laughs) For years, God kept calling. And I kept doubting in my flesh. But by the grace of God and his mercy, he gave me a little more time. But you know what? I think about it every now and then. I think about it. Brother Travis, I think, what if I would have been more surrendered earlier? How much more of an impact could have I had on those around me? Like I said, we're in the last minutes, brothers and sisters. We don't necessarily have tomorrow. 
We don't necessarily have the next few months. What are we going to do now? God knows what He's doing. He knows what, knew what He did when He decided to call you to this church. God knew what He was doing uh, when He saved your soul and, and He changed you here at this church and, and He's planted you here to do a work. And you say, well, Matt, you don't understand the so, so-and-so on the other side of the auditorium. He hurt me years ago and, and ever since then I haven't been able to actually do what I know God wants me to do. Don't use that as an excuse. The devil wants to use that as an excuse, but we don't have much time left, brothers and sisters. And, and don't get nervous on me. I'm not saying come to Mexico, but if the Lord leads you to Mexico, come on. Maybe God wants you to, to, to talk to Brother Travis tonight and say, you know what, God's been dealing with my heart. I've had a heart for these people that are struggling on the streets. And, and you know what, I've got extra time. Can I help you in any way in the village? Can I help you in any way with Unsheltered International? Or maybe it's just here at home that there's some kids that need some extra loving and God wants to use you to do it. I'll tell you this. We pastor a small church down in Mexico, but there's never enough help. There's never enough help. There's the need is always going to be there. Those kids are always going to need you. Those kids are, there's never going to be too many helpers to help. So I encourage you, get involved. Get involved in what God has for you to do here. And, and when you get involved and you overcome that doubt of the flesh, God will do an amazing thing with your life. And you know what? God knew what he was doing when he put that desire in your heart. God knew what he was doing uh, when, when he started working in your heart. And uh, I think of Brother Travis. He's, he's an all-star missionary to me. I, I look up. When I grow up, I want to be just like Brother Travis Sharp. I thank the Lord for him. His testimony has stood the test of time. And he's been always faithful in what he does. And I remember talking about, you said you were mowing that grass over at that golf club, golf course years ago. And the Lord started working on his heart for the homeless people. And then through that, the Garden City Rescue Mission was started in Augusta, Georgia. And then God said, that's not all that I got for you. I got more for you to do. And I'm sure in his flesh, he probably thought, Lord, I'm comfortable right here. What are you doing? I've got something great right here but God say no I've got more for you to do and now he's got unsheltered international and not just here in, in America but in the Philippines and, and maybe one day he'll come to Mexico and we can link up and do something in Mexico together and, and when we put limits on God because of our flesh doubting God can't work they said there's villages towns in the Bible where God want, Jesus wanted to go and help but he was detoured it was like he was grieved to go there and there were places where he wanted to do a mighty work, but he couldn't because there were probably too many people doubting and not enough people willing to let the Lord work in their lives. So let me ask you, who's doubting in your family or in, in your life today? Is it your family? I love my mom and daddy, but it was tough when I told them I'm called to go to Mexico. Uh, my, my dad was a preacher, and he was at the time when I finally revealed 100% that I'm going to be a missionary in Mexico. He was praying about maybe pastoring a church somewhere at the time. And my mama said, why don't you come work with your daddy at a church somewhere? If God gives him a church, maybe go work with him. You don't have to go. You don't have to do anything else. Come work with us. And, and she, she never tried to deter me from Mexico. She didn't even know at the time that I was surrendered to Mexico. And I had to say, no, mom, I, I, I got to go to Mexico. Because that's what God's called me to do. And I've had friends that are no longer my friends. Once you become a missionary, there's people that they won't pick up the phone for you and listen to you. They probably think you're just coming to beg for money. 
They think you're a moochinary, but that's not what we are. <laughs> Y'all ever heard of that, moochinary? Hey, there's some of them out there, moochinaries. I thank the Lord. We've never had to actually ask anybody for anything. All we have did is present, tell that there's a need, and the Lord will fulfill it. You pray for us. God gave us that building, uh, but we still, we still need to raise some funds. I don't know exactly. We've got to estimate 150 we need to raise, but I don't know exactly how much it might be less than that. I don't know. I don't, ask, I don't ever ask anyone for a dime, but you pray for us down there. Our goal is to do exactly what you're doing here, shining a light. But you know what? Sometimes our family and our friends will doubt us, and then our own flesh will doubt us. So what, which person's doubting in your life tonight? Is it family? God says that our love for God should be so much that it looks like we hate our parents, that we hate our wife, that we hate our kids. You say, well, that, y'all have heard that scripture where it said, if you love me, you'll hate your kids, you'll hate your wife, you'll hate your spouse. You'll hate all your family members, and that sounds puzzling because God wants us to love one another, right? He's not saying, he's not saying don't love those people, but our love for God should be so uh, amazingly greater that it looks like we don't love nobody else compared to our love for God. So, who's doubting in your life? And number three, God knows what He's doing no matter the portion that is distributed. Let's look back in the scripture. It says in uh, verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. I don't know about you, but I'm not that good at math. And maybe you're not that good at math. But I know five barley loaves and two small fishes cannot turn into 12 baskets, right? Can I get a witness? I mean, if you did that math class, you're going to get your answer wrong. You know, five plus two equals 12 baskets. No, that doesn't, that doesn't map out. <laughs> I got to thinking about that, and I've heard preachers say, well, the 12 baskets were for the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 baskets were for the 12 disciples. The 12 baskets had this big meaning of, of maybe a deeper hidden meaning. I started thinking, what if it's something more practical? Jesus is a God of enough. He, he's a God of abundance. Remember Elijah? When he had that barrel of wheat, he was the God of enough. That exactly what they needed. He could have filled that barrel of wheat. All the way up that cruise of oil, he could have filled that up big time where they'd, they could just see it all the time and know they had plenty. But you know, at the time, he wanted them daily to have faith in him, and he gave them enough. Yeah. And I started thinking about it. God knows the hairs of our head, right? How many hairs? Or how many hairs we used to have? <laughs> and he knew how many we were going to lose. <laughs> and he knows all about us. He, he, he knows our weight. Sister, God knows your weight. <laughs> I know your license doesn't match exactly what it says at the doctor's office, but God, God, knows, God knows that. And He knows everything. So I thought about this. If He knows everything, He knew exactly how many people were going to be there at that event. Maybe God had just enough so that everyone would be filled and there'd be nothing left over. Everyone would be filled and satisfied and there'd be just enough, nothing left. 
brothers and si- or sisters in here, you, you, don't you love that's a successful dinner? You made just enough. Everyone's satisfied. They're full. They're pulling their belt, their belt loop out or whatever, and they got their pick in the back, and, and they got their hands back, and they got that belly sticking out. And everyone's satisfied, but there's nothing left over. There's nothing to fight over. Everyone's satisfied. That's a, that's a success. What if that's what God's plan was, that everyone would be satisfied and there would have been nothing left? But I started thinking, Brother Travis, there was probably Pharisees and people that are in there constantly just trying to see, what's he going to say next? What's he going to do wrong? And maybe when that basket got to them, nope, I don't want it. Nope, I, I don't want that at all. Follow me, I'm going somewhere with this. And maybe the 12 baskets that were left and over were the people that had rejected what God had for them. Think about it. I, I think about uh, uh, us as missionaries. We, we travel around. People say, where are you living? Well, we live in Mexico. Where are you at right now? I said, we're homeless. We, 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 we don't have a place to live, technically. We don't have a home. We visit my, my family and, and visit different places. Now, don't get me wrong. God's taking care of us. When we're on deputation. We would travel from church to church and try to find a place. And I remember in between churches, neither one of them had a prophet's chamber or a little place for us to stay. No, they were too, they didn't have enough funds to give us a hotel room. They just said, come on. And so I had to figure it out. I got on the phone. I got a hold of some mission board. I don't know, somewhere in North Carolina. I don't even know who they are. So I'm not going to say their names. I don't even remember who they were. And the brother shows me around. He sounded a little reluctant to even have me in. He was preparing for a big event. There's all these national pastors that were coming in. They were going to stay. They were there raising support from different islands and different places in the world, which, praise the Lord, is a great ministry that God's using them in. And, but I felt like I was just a nuisance for his big event. And, and he said, you can come. And so he showed me around everything. And then we get to this room upstairs, and it looks like it was going to be a kitchen. There's linoleum on the ground, and there's piping in the walls where it looked like it was a sink and maybe a dishwasher. And he said, this was going to be our kitchen, but we figured we didn't want no kitchen on the second story for roaches and different things. And, and, uh, and so I'm walking through. I'm seeing beds, just beautiful beds, white linen sheets, big fluffy pillows. And we're going all over the place looking around. I'm like, man, which? And I'm, I was tired. I'm like, well, I wonder which room's ours because I just want to get to sleep. And, um, and then we go in that. I'm, I'm ready to keep walking to see where's our room. And he's like, well, this here's it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I look back in that kitchen, and there was the, you know, the egg cart that they put on top of a bed. There was no bed underneath. It was just the egg cart on the ground. And there's two pillows that I've seen pancakes fluffier than these pillows. Uh, and they were laying out there, uh, two of them. And there might have been a sheet. And it was not near as white as those other ones. It like he didn't even, I don't know what was going on. I don't know what the man was thinking. And I started thinking, we're missionaries, and this, is not, this isn't right, and this is not how things should, these things should be, and, and does he know who we are, and, and we should have a nice place to stay. And Well, he was already gone, so he wasn't listening to anything I was thinking or saying. <laughs> and we sat there, and we started thinking, and Chelsea said, Honey, at least we've got a roof over our head tonight. She was a spiritual one at that moment. I was not. I was tired. I just want to get to bed. Uh, and, and, and she said, but honey, think of what, how go, good God's been to us. We could be out on the street tonight, but we have a roof over our head. And, and I said, you know what, honey? You're absolutely right. How many times has God provided for us? And we turn our nose at what he gave us. Sometimes God's a God of enough. 
Oh, don't get me wrong. God's a God of everything. God's a God. Of, in, in reality, uh, uh, prosperity, you know, he's prosperous. God wants us to have a million dollars and all this stuff. And, and, and you know, one day God does want us to be prosperous when we're in his kingdom. And, and, and he talks about mansions that he's prepared for. us. So he's not a poor God that we serve. He wants to bless us. But you know what? Uh, he's a teacher. And he wants to teach us. And he wants to humble us. And he wants us to follow his plan for our life. But how many, let me ask you tonight. Has God provided you something you turn your nose up at him? Think about it. 